name is Kevin Tony, and you're now listening to the Uncommon Sense Podcast. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am sick of the divisiveness that the political climate in this country has created among people. Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast. I know I talk about this a lot. Um, I don't I don't it's not intentional, but the way society is. I almost can't help but come back to these conversations. I'm tired of having conversations with people that I'm friends with or people that I would label as friends. And because we disagree on something politically, they don't want to have conversation anymore. So I have a, a, I had a conversation earlier this week and a friend of mine and I were talking about the difference between the economy now, America as it stands now, and and where the country was underneath Donald Trump. Vast difference. This this conversation came after the president gave a State of the Union address this week, which I did I did watch because I wanted to see what you know what he was going to say. And whether you believe it or not, I respect the office of the president. I respect Joe Biden in his position. I don't think he does his job well at all. I don't think that the position that he holds, I just don't think is deserved. And I'm fi- I'm free to feel that way because, you know, I, I exercise my vote for the other guy. And so I made my decision in the voting booth and I'm not, you know, happy with, with what we got. So for people that did vote for him, you know, those are the people that I feel are dealing with buyer's remorse. I don't have that issue because he wasn't my guy to begin with. And when you have conversations with people who are frustrated they still want to target that frustration at the obvious target. They want to blame Trump for stuff. They want to say it was the last guy. And it's not just from people who voted for Joe Biden, but you have a lot of people that voted Republican that they still want to blame Donald Trump for, you know, they want to blame the last guy. And I think when you're president, you take over the country when things don't go well, every president blames the previous administration. You know, they, they make it, well, when I took the job, we weren't in a great, we weren't in great shape to begin with. And this is what happened. And honestly, I think that that's irresponsible because when you campaign for president, it's because you think you can do a better job than the person who's the president currently. And so you go into it feeling like I can make this country better. And so because the Donald Trump term was so polarizing, 
and it was, you know, in our faces at every turn, you know, people were made to feel like you had to pick a side. Whereas, you know, we picked sides before. People have always picked a side. People have always, you know, said, well, I didn't really support Obama, but I think he's okay. You know, I don't agree with his policies, but I think he's okay. You know, people will say, I didn't like George Bush. I don't like Bill Clinton. You know, I don't like, they go back, George Bush. I didn't like, you know, Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon. Everybody says Ronald Reagan. Everybody says who they liked or who they didn't like. But because the media did what they did in terms of how Donald Trump was portrayed, if you made it known that you were for Donald Trump, then something was wrong with you because the news said that Donald Trump was a a bad guy. He wasn't legitimate. So I have conversations with people and they talk about what they don't like about Donald Trump. And it's just you hear the same things over and over again. And I know that, you know, people say they they just regurgitate what CNN has said or MSNBC has said. They talk about what did Don Lemon say about you know, Donald Trump. What did Rachel Maddow say about Donald Trump? You know, what is Joe Scarborough? What is he saying about Donald Trump? These newscasters that they listen to have formed their opinion. And so they've done what most Americans have done, which is not do any research and take the journalist's word for it without doing any investigation. I don't think that's wise in any, you know, anything in any any information that comes to you. There's a, you know, trust but verify mentality that should be adopted. And most people think they're too busy to verify what's being heard. And so they take their word for it. This is a journalist. They worked on this story. So what they're saying must be right. And. They don't want to believe that there's an element of what's happening in the media that's misleading or is trying to divert attention away from, you know, the meat of a story or the meat of a topic, or they want to insert these minor ideas or minor instances in a story and embellish it to make it, you know, gain traction. So people will focus on that. And, what's been created is a we don't care what the message is we just don't like the messenger we don't want to hear it from you even though it's the truth and we know it's the truth and i think that that's a dangerous place to be in when it comes to information being disseminated in this country and so when you have a disagreement with somebody and they said that and they use the phrase i'm done with you and it's not being said in a way that is like, oh, I'm done. You know, I'm done for now. You you know that they're saying I'm done like this is done. Because we disagree on something, we agree on everything else in life. But because we disagree politically or. Because we disagree about the things that somebody says. 
I want to be clear. I, I've made it known on this show over and over again. And for any new listeners who might be out there, first of all, thank you for tapping in. Um, I, I want to be clear and say that, yes, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I plan to vote for him again when he gets the nomination, because I believe he will get the nomination. And I'm looking forward to voting, voting for him for a third time, because I feel like he has unfinished business in this country. I feel like we were on the right track. And I believe that he had the right attitude where America is concerned. And that's the only thing that I care about. I can't speak from anybody's experience, but my own. And so with that in mind, in 43 years of being on this earth, my experience has been in America. I've never been to another country. I've been to Canada. I don't really count that. You know, growing up in Detroit, Canada was across the street. But I've never been to another country. And so America is all I know. This is home. This is where I live. This is where I intend to die. My family's here. And I have really no interest in living in another country. Because America is my home, I think this is the greatest place in the world. I think it's a reason that hundreds of thousands of people come to this country to live both legally and illegally every year. I think there's a reason for that, that people are leaving where they are to uproot their families and come to a country that they've never been to before and decided they want to make it their home and come here and thrive. So I don't listen to people. I don't entertain conversations with people who have a, I hate America mentality. I hate living here or America is not so great. I don't listen. I don't entertain that because those people are the same ones that have no intention of trying to find another country that they can move to where they think they may have a better experience and they are free to do that. I don't, I especially don't listen to celebrities and athletes who are wealthy that complain about America and say that they don't like living here or things are better because these are people that have the financial means to go live in another country, but they choose to stay here willingly. And some of these celebrities, they may own property in other countries. I'm sure there are some movie stars or wealthy, you know, celebrities that own property in other countries and they may have, you know, someplace that's a vacation home but when you ask them, America is home for them. And so when I see celebrities on TV complaining about what's happening in America, complaining about what it's like to live here, you know, complaining about systemic racism and how it's impacted them personally, I don't pay attention to them because these are people that are wealthy. These are people that are in a position of financial stability for not just themselves, but for their families. You know, in most cases, they've 
likely managed their money well, so they've set their families up for generations. And so the impact of whatever racial issues are happening in this country are very low on them. And so when I see celebrities complaining, you know, the, the, the friend that I was in the conversation with, he told me that he, he didn't like Donald Trump when he called, you know, football players who kneel for the anthem SOBs. And he called them thugs or I didn't, you know, or he said he didn't appreciate when Donald Trump called people who were rioting during 2020, he called them thugs. And I said to him that people who reacted emotionally and went into the neighborhoods that they live in and drive through and shop in and just, you know, their communities. They went into their own communities and tore stuff up, burned stuff down, caused billions of dollars of property management, uh, property management, property damage. I'm sorry. They are thugs. If you would do that. It's one thing to want justice. It's another thing to have a tantrum. There can be a call for justice in an orderly manner. You don't go to your neighborhood and destroy it. You don't go to your community and make your case. You go to where laws are being created. Laws are being written. You take that to the local government and say, hey, we won't stand for this as citizens of this city. We want change. I don't think change is demanded by destruction of property. Especially if it's your own neighborhood, because the rebounding of that neighborhood is likely not to fully manifest. I always think that there's a better way. Martin Luther King said rioting is the language of the unheard. And he was right in a lot of degrees. You know, a pressure does bust pipe pipes. When you get to a certain point where you feel backed into a corner, you know, the national the natural reaction is to lash out. And I understand that. But we have to come to a place where we are not responding out of emotion and we're not being reactionary. There is no proactive movement in these, in these same communities to prevent what's happening in the future. And if there are, they're largely unreported. So the community is not, the effort in the community is not widely known. And so when there's an instance of injustice, the community is caught off guard. And so the reaction is emotional. We need to do better in terms of understanding and having the pulse of our community to know that these things are going on and be able to see them coming and put stop gaps in place. I don't, you know, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing where, you know, he went on his, whatever you want to say, his crusade to bring awareness to injustice in America, you know, towards black people and, you know, white 
supremacy was this and white people are bad and, you know, so on and so forth and this, that, and the third and cops are bad. And I think it was a grift uh, because it made him very wealthy. He got rich behind that, which is why he's not really trying to get back in the NFL. He wants to, but he's already made his money and he's made it without having to suffer the repercussions down the road from taking hits on the football field to having brain damage down the road. He's made his money. But Colin Kaepernick is also multiracial. So when he gets up and talks about how bad white people are, he's automatically dismissing one half of his family who he claims to love. And so I think there's some hypocrisy there that leads me to not fully believe that you believe what you're saying. And so the whole kneeling for the anthem, like we're taking a knee because we don't love America. I I think that there was a better way. And so I felt like you should stand for the anthem because this is the country that represents your home. I could care less about the origins of the anthem and what what it stood for in the beginning. People saw that that was bad and said, hey, let's not sing this part because it doesn't represent what our country is about. It doesn't represent our views now. And that's how I feel about when people bring up racial issues in this country now. You know, yes, there are some issues in this country. That's irrelevant. I mean, uh, that's that's it's evident that there are issues in this country. But we're light years away from slavery. We're light years away from Jim Crow. The issues that we have now in terms of oppression, you know, they wear a different face. They have different attributes. And a lot of the issues that we have, and when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about black people. A lot of these issues are self-made. Where we look for race and racial instances everywhere. We look for a reason to be triggered. We look for a reason to be in our feelings. We look for a reason to be emotional. And I don't live that way. And I don't associate with people who do because these are low thinking people who haven't come up out of their selves to actually take a look around and, and be accountable. And so when I hear stories about, uh, when I hear stories about, you know, you know, this being February is black history month. When I hear stories about a young lady who walks in the Hobby Lobby because she is, you know, she sees that they have cotton on display and she automatically assumes that this display was intentional because it's February and it's Black History Month and Hobby Lobby is intentionally trying to trigger black people. And she wants to, you know, she thinks it's her responsibility to destroy the entire display in the store. Because Hobby Lobby is offensive. 
not knowing that Hobby Lobby is likely selling that stuff all year round because it's an arts and crafts store. But she associated it with race because that's how she lives her life. These are low thinking, low emotional IQ people. There's no emotional intelligence involved in how they make decisions in their lives. And this lady, she looked like a fool. These people who want to find race everywhere. I don't associate with these people. I don't associate with people who talk about how much they don't like living here. Now, I can respect somebody that says, you know what? America is just not for me anymore. And I'm thinking about moving to so-and-so. I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about applying for citizenship in this country or that country, or I'm thinking about moving here or moving there. I can respect that. But I never hear anybody say that that's what they're doing. They just want to complain and complain and go home, get up, go to their job, do whatever it is that they do day in and day out and just talk about how bad America has been to them. Then go somewhere else and find out where you can live life that you think will be better. And it's wild how people don't realize how many people do leave America because they think that they can go someplace else and have a better opportunity. And they live in another country for a couple of years and then they come back to America. And what you'll find in these people who actually do leave and come back, they'll say, oh, I just wanted to get the I wanted to get the experience of seeing what another, you know, country was like. And I understand all of that. But you're back. You're back to a, you, you went someplace else to experience something. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And you remembered how great it actually was at home. You know, when you leave a, a situation that you think is bad and you go to a situation that's potentially worse, the previous situation doesn't look so bad anymore. So you figure like, hey, I, you know, I really wasn't doing that bad when I was back in America. Let, let's move back there. I don't I don't listen to people who who have that mentality. I would love to have a conversation with somebody who felt that America was not great for them. They moved to another country, lived there for a period, and then came back and appreciated America even more. And here's another reason why I, I know that this is a great place to live. You hear musicians, music artists that do um, world tours, and they go overseas and they're gone for, you know, two, three, four months at a time doing, you know, several cities in other countries. And they all say the same thing. I was glad to get back to America. These other places are nice, but I, I'm, I'm glad to be back in America. So where politics are concerned, where people decide that their friendships and relationships are going to be based on whether you think the same way somebody else does and whether you're mentally mature enough to handle opposing opinions. There's a, there's a line that's, 
that's that's created and people are not able to deal with that line anymore so they just choose to dismiss it altogether and it's very unfortunate that you have people that want to disassociate themselves from people that they call friends you know it's even to the point where I'd be comfortable if somebody said to me you know what I think you're cool and I like talking to you I just don't like talking to you about politics because I don't agree with you on that and you don't agree with me on it. And so since we're not going to agree, I think it's better if we don't talk about that. I can totally respect that. That's totally fine by me. And in fact, that's a mature way to operate. We can get along on every other subject, but not politics. Okay. And I think the biggest problem with people who feel that way is when there's opposing opinions, everybody's trying to one up the other person. And it's like I'm not when I talk about my political views or how I view the decisions that are being made on how I'm governed, how my family's governed in this country. When I talk about that stuff, it's not in an effort to change somebody's mind because I feel like adults have made the decision. And I'm fine with that. Now, can that can that decision change? Absolutely. But I'm not. That's not my intent. When I have a conversation with someone and we're talking about social issues or pop culture or political issues, I'm not trying to change your mind. The only conversation I could have with somebody where I'm trying to change their way of thinking is when we when it comes to spiritual beliefs or we're talking about, you know, religious views in that instance, I, then I may be trying to change your mind. Because I believe that there's a better way. But every other conversation, no, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. But what I do hope is that you'll take what I say. And think about it and give considerable thought to it. Rational, critical thought to what I've said and measure it up against how you feel about an issue. And balance the scale and see what shakes out. And then you have to internalize within yourself. Do I need to change the way I think? That's what maturity is about. I've said it before and I've, I, on this podcast that this, this is really an opportunity for me to talk about the things that I want to talk about. The things that are of interest to me. And right now, some of the most interesting things to me is what I see in front of me happening. It's like watching a movie about what's going on in this, in this country. A movie that you're waiting to see, like, how is this going to end? When, is, when do we get to the good part? So I, I feel if, you, if you've been in a position where you lost friends, and I've lost a lot, <laughs> I hate to say it. I have lost people. I have, I've, you know, people don't want to associate me. And there are probably people out there who know how I feel about what's happening in America. And they won't tell me that they don't associate with me anymore. I'm, I'm sure that I've been cut off by people who I don't even know that I've been cut off by them. They don't, they not even, they haven't made it known to me that I'm cut off by them because I don't agree with how they feel. They think I should think a certain way. And because I don't, 
They don't want anything to do with me. And that's fine, too. I think that it's immature. I'll have a conversation with anybody. I don't care what your political views are, what your spiritual beliefs are, what your religious associations are. I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody because I love information. I like dialogue. I like honest discourse. And I'm mentally tough enough to where I can hear your opinions that oppose to mine and not think less of you as a person. And not many people can do that. And so that may be my superpower <laughs> in this climate, <laughs> in this age that we live in. The, my ability to hear someone's opinion that opposes mine and have the mental fortitude to say, hey, that's fine. I still think you're a great person. I don't understand why you feel that way, but you're entitled to feel that way. That's what America is about, your right to feel the way that you feel. And whether I agree with it or not, I'm willing to fight for your right to feel the way that you feel, as long as you don't infringe upon my right to feel the, the way that I feel. And that's the problem in this country. People want tolerance, but they don't want to tolerate. They want tolerance with conditions. And they're not willing to reciprocate a lot of that tolerance. And so it turns into anger. People get emotional because I can't believe you think that way. I can't believe you disagree with me or I can't believe you don't see this. Somebody says something to me that they said, you believe everything the media says about Joe Biden. And I said, is it fair for me to say that you believe everything the media says about Donald Trump? And when you turn the question around on other people, they don't know how to respond because they know that they're guilty of the thing that they're accusing you of. And so the natural reaction for them is frustration. So when I have these conversations, this is this this was more like a vent episode for me because I'm just I don't know how much longer we'll have to deal with this cycle of people being in their feelings and getting butt hurt about somebody having an opinion that's different than theirs. I don't know how much longer we'll have to deal with that, but it seems like this is the conditions that we have to live under for the foreseeable future. So as long as that's the case, I will be here saying what I'm saying. I will be here standing on the side of critical thinking, the side of reality, the side of logic and reason, the side that welcomes conversation contrary to what I think so that we can debate and hash out and have some discourse and still be amicable after the conversation is over and still respect each other after the conversation is over. And that's the, <laughs> that's the reason why this podcast is called uncommon sense because common sense is not common. So like I end every show, just remember, remember that no matter where you go, and no matter what you do, common sense is uncommon. <laughs>